Bulls have got one more chance here to seize the narrative this week. They certainly have been trying. Stocks have been resilient since a hot inflation print last Friday. But with bonds selling off and the 10-year ripping higher yesterday, the window of opportunity may be closing here for bulls. Let's bring in Zachary Hill joining us from Horizon Investments, head of portfolio management. Uh, Zachary, good to see you. Good morning. Let's talk here about bonds firstly and the role in stocks. Will it ever end? Our yield just keeps ripping higher. You know, that, that's certainly been the story for this year. And good to see you as well, Oliver. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's just kind of the, the main thing that equity markets are struggling with. What is that discount rate? Um, and, you know, we, we thought we tried that a few times where hey, we're at peak yields, we're at peak yields. Uh, and, and, you know, the messaging from the Fed yesterday, as you saw, uh, says we're not quite there yet. And so that's really a prerequisite for us to, to start getting a lot more positive on, on risk assets more broadly and, and on equities specifically. And right now, we just don't see it, unfortunately. So should we be expecting some type of amplified aggression from the Fed after last week's inflation print? I don't know about amplified aggression. I mean, rates are already pretty high. We're going to get 75 basis points in, in a few weeks. Um, and, and so, you know, we're, we're sort of getting to the spot where they may want to slow down a little bit the pace. Uh, and there was a report out, you know, just, just a few minutes ago from a, from a Fed uh, mouthpiece indicating they might do that at the, at the December meeting. Um, you know, but more broadly, uh, we're getting to really restrictive levels in, in interest rates. And so, um, yes, we're going to start slowing down. The question is, is, is how quickly do we slow down? And that's going to be driven um, first and foremost by what inflation does. And then secondarily, uh, how strong the labor market is. And, and right now it's been, despite some headlines to the contrary, it's been persistently strong. Yeah, that's uh, what's so puzzling here is um, I keep hearing that the recession is inevitable arguably that we're already in it based on old GDP standards of measuring recession, but yet the employment situation just continues to improve. And actually, we, some of the other data has improved as well. Our last ISM services print is pretty great uh, compared to what expectations were. Uh, we look like uh, a beauty next to the rest of the world right now. So uh, where are the cracks the strongest right now? Is it possible that while everybody's looking for some final sign of recession that uh, we could be getting this like post-COVID employment-driven productivity surge? I mean, I mean, that's certainly uh, an optimistic case, and it's one that we're more in the camp of, I think, than, than major market participants. I mean, it's clear that housing is slowing, right? You can't increase interest rates uh, and mortgage rates the way that, that we have this year without seeing a major slowdown in housing. And so that's going to have some ripple effects. But, you know, no two cycles are the same. And I, and I think a lot of commentators are kind of overemphasizing this post-GFC recovery in the, in the 2010s period where, you know, corporate profits rebounded really, really strongly. Uh, uh, but jobs were, you know, the job market was just pretty slow for a number of years. Um, you know, to us, it's it's kind of one of those, you know, potentially you can't fire what you didn't hire situation. And, exactly. and companies have spent the last two years trying to make up for labor shortages. So, um, you know, even though we've seen a few kind of headline um, for at, at, you know major, especially tech companies that are that are not profitable, it appears that that those people that are getting laid off in that sector are getting jobs elsewhere. Uh, at least if you look at the aggregate numbers as we see them today. And so, um, you know, we're definitely thinking this is a bit of a different cycle. But you know, as you mentioned, this is kind of a conundrum um, as we as we look at the economy today. What do you look for? as a sign that maybe that uh, job weakness that certainly has been in tech, to your point, 
there's been plenty of losses, firings. Apparently, uh, the next one on deck will be Twitter. Uh, but it's been very consistent. When will we see that transition over to more of the services, the reopening uh, economy? Is there any sign of that right now? And um, I guess not is the point. There's not much sign of it. What do we look for uh, as potentially uh, happening in that sector? You know, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, certainly we overhired in some COVID-sensitive areas, um, some you know unprofitable tech companies with negative unit economics. Um, they're going to need to be cutting staff. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, and in even places, uh, you know, like logistics and things like that, um, overhired versus trend. But you know, I don't know about you, but when I go to a restaurant or or a store, uh, it still says hiring help wanted, and you know, half of the people there say, uh, sorry, bear with me, it's my first week. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're looking at the aggregate statistics. There's a lot of survey data. There's a lot of alternative data that, you know, COVID has, um, you know, really brought to light, you know, places that we weren't looking two or three years ago. And so, you know, as we see kind of the broad swath, um, you know, we don't see that deterioration just yet. And quite frankly, um, you know, betting on that deteriorating, uh, you're betting against the U.S. consumer, which which is a tough thing to do. Okay. So right now, uh, the um uh, implication that inflation should kind of erode away at that strong consumer. Uh, where do we stand uh, in terms of all that COVID money that was sloshing around? Did inflation uh, burn it all off or uh, do we have a little bit uh, left in the tank here uh, to keep us going? How much runway do you think, uh, Zachary? Can we talk some timelines here? I mean, when do we kind of hit that wall? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, we talked a lot about excess savings over the last couple of years, um, and and not to get too technical, but uh, the the U.S. government did just recently revise this data pretty substantially, which um, indicates that we have actually fewer excess savings than we thought. Um, and you know, kind of as we look at it, we're penciling in kind of Q1 of next year when when excess savings will be depleted at at current rates. Uh, so that's one thing that we're definitely definitely looking at. And, and you know, the other thing is is people do spend out of excess savings, and certainly. We're seeing that, and we're seeing you know credit card balances going up, but primarily people consume based on labor income, um, and so you know so long as the as the labor market remains strong, uh, we're not we don't think we're going to see a really material downshift in total nominal spending. Now we're clearly seeing a shift from um, you know on volumes, right? Uh, you see, in many companies, we're reporting just in the last few weeks, prices are up and volumes are sort of flat. Um, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, like earnings are a nominal number um, and that is what you know drives uh, company fundamentals in, in the medium term and so that's a relatively supportive aspect actually um, despite you know the kind of headlines to the contrary Zach where does this take you right now in terms of decision making for uh, uh, investing and uh, talking with clients portfolios what makes sense to you Sure. I mean, you know, we, we've talked a, a lot over the last few months, Oliver, and um, I hate to be boring and repeat myself, but uh, we continue to think you got to be positioned defensively. Um, and so, you know, if you have a global portfolio, global mandate, uh, for us, that's, um, you know, being closer to home in the U.S. Uh, and maintaining, um, you know, a, a defensive and low volatility and value tilt, you know, stance more broadly. Um, you know, I think, we don't want to be in cyclical sectors right now, given the fact that the economy is slowing. The the uh, exception to that, and it is a, truly an exception based on what's going on in supply and demand, is the is energy. Um, you know, we continue to like energy. We like healthcare and we like staples. Um, we we've been doing a lot of work on what the consumer is doing, and and all that points to is 
people are buying more staples goods and fewer discretionary goods. And so, you know, we think that, um, you know, makes sense to position for in portfolios. Um, you know, on the on the other side of things that we don't like, I, I mentioned we want to avoid cyclicality. Um, you know, one thing that I think is a little bit different um, and you know, overall, we're going to have a, a, a choppy trade, we think. Uh, but we do like uh, domestic small and mid cap stocks. Uh, you know, the reason there is to your point earlier. Look, the U.S. economy is a lot better in a lot better shape than, than economies around the globe. And you know, smaller smaller firms generally sell a lot more within our shores. Um, you know, almost half of the S and P 500's earnings are overseas, and you have a much smaller percentage. Um, you know, for smaller companies, and so we think that, despite the fact that they're not sort of traditionally defensive uh, in this set, in this case, with what the dollar is doing uh, and what's going on in the rest of the world, we think those allocations make a lot of sense right now. Okay, I like the details and uh, no rush to change the thesis. If the facts don't warrant it, uh, we'll take boring, consistent and uh, outperformance. Uh, Zach, thanks a lot for the update, appreciate it. Zachary Hill, head of portfolio management at Horizon Investments.